Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Well, hello church. Great to be sharing with you today. My name's Andrew and I'm one of the pastors here at LifeGate Church. And I'm really encouraged and excited about the message that I'm sharing today because I really believe that if applied to our lives, the things that we're going to talk about can be life-changing and transformational. And I really believe that that's what God is wanting to do for each and every one of us today. So let's pray and then we'll dive into the message. So yeah, Jesus, we just thank you that um, the, the scriptures are just full of so much truth, so much insight. And we just pray that as we unpack an encounter with you today, we pray that you would give us wisdom and insight in how we can practically apply it to our lives. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would partner with us to bring transformation, to bring healing, and to help us to see how it is that you're inviting us to live differently. We pray this in your name. Amen. So as I was growing up, my mum used to say the line a lot, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I wonder whether you grew up with a similar saying in your childhood. Well, I don't know about you, but often the words and the experiences that have happened throughout my childhood were actually more painful than a punch or a kick or anything like that, right? And I wonder if that's the same for you. And so I wanted to tell you about some of the experiences I had growing up and how it caused me to see myself. So here's the first one. So when I was in primary school, I um, was bullied a lot because I was ginger. I had red hair and that was very different in the school that I was in. And so I stood out and people would say, you're weird. And partly that was about my quirky sense of humor and my personality, but also, it was about my physical appearance and what I looked like. And so that's the event, people saying that I'm weird. And how that uh, kind of fed into a lie within me is the lie became, I'm different and I don't belong. I'm the odd one out, the black sheep. That's the lie that I started believing about myself. And then that lie turned into a belief about who I am that went like this, I'm never going to fit in. I'm always going to be the odd one out. I'm always going to stick out like a sore thumb. That's the belief that I developed about myself. The second experience is when I was in high school. And um, when I was in year eight, I had this crush on a girl who was in all my classes and we sat together and we were good friends. And I told one of my other friends that I had a crush on this person. And as I told him, he blurted out in front of the entire science class, Andrew likes Jess. And I was so embarrassed. My body felt like imploding on itself within that moment. And that actually led to a number of uh, friendship breakdowns um, and friendships that ended um, because of that event. And so that's the event. So the friend spilled my crush to the whole class. Friendships ended badly. And what lie crept into my life was this, that if I let people get to know me, they either hurt me or they leave me. And some other experiences throughout my childhood had fed into that lie as well. If I let people get to know me, they either hurt me or they leave me. 
And then that turned into this belief, the belief that I'm on my own. If I want something done, I've got to do it myself. I can't let anyone know what's going on with me. I've got to hold it all in, keep it all secret in order to protect myself. I'm on my own. And then the third event was um, one I've shared before, but when I was in year 12, I developed chronic fatigue. And what happened is the event, I had people telling me on a regular basis, you're weak, you're sick, you're lazy, and even teachers that were criticizing my headspace, my mental capacity, all of that. And so what happened from that event, it led to this lie creeping in that I'm alone and my life is going nowhere. I'm on my own. I've got to look after myself. No one else is going to help me. And my life is going nowhere. This is, this is the way my life is always going to be, feeling fatigued and tired and unwell and lack of energy and motivation, all of that. And so then that turned into this belief, I'll never reach my future potential. I'll never live the life I want to. I thought life was always going to be this way and I couldn't see anything beyond that. And so those are three of the experiences that have shaped uh, my identity and some of the lies that I've had to confront throughout my life. And some of them still I'm confronting on a regular basis. Now, we've all had experiences and lies that have shaped our beliefs over time. Some are positive and some are negative. And I wonder what lies or events those are for you. Well, you see, friends, these lies can be the things that really shape our sense of identity and rob us of living the life that God is wanting us to live. You see, God is wanting us to live freely from the past um, with a sense of hope and purpose for the future. And so there's a number of common lies that we can believe about our identity that I want to look at today. Now, of course, this isn't an exhaustive list of all the lies, but these are some of the common ones that we can all deal with throughout one point of our life or another. And so today I've titled my message, Confronting the Four Lies of Identity, because these lies aren't just going to go away on their own. We have to confront them. And so here are the four lies that we're going to unpack today. The first is this, I am what I have. Number two, I am what I do. Number three, I am what other people say or think about me. And number four, I am defined by my past. So those are the four lies that we're going to unpack. And so as we look at these four lies, I want us to unpack an encounter with Jesus that happens in the book of Mark. And to set the encounter, the scene, leading up to this story, Jesus has had a number of encounters with people who all want something from him. The religious leaders wanted to accept or reject him based on his exact interpretation of the law. The rich man wanted to add to his store of wealth by acquiring benefits and favor in God's kingdom. And two foolish disciples thought to gain an advantage over the rest of the disciples by claiming positions of power. And then at the end of Mark chapter 10 comes the story of Bartimaeus. And I want to just highlight that this is one of the few healings in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that actually 
the person healed is actually given a name. And I think that's significant as we look at what these lies are and how they apply to this story. So let's take a look at the story and let's see what happens. So here's what it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says this, Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with the large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked them. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So that's the story that we're going to unpack today. That's the encounter with Jesus that we're going to take a look at. And so here's the first lie that I want to confront. I am what I have. And so in Mark chapter 10, verse 50, we see that Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and runs to Jesus. Now, why is this significant? Well, back in that time, beggars needed a license to beg from the authorities. Now, this wasn't a card. This wasn't a QR code. But it was a special type of cloak in a certain style and color. And it was distinguishable. But more than that, when he begged, he would have most likely used the cloak to catch the coins tossed at him. Remember, he's blind, so his hand-eye coordination with catching stuff probably isn't up to scratch. And so he, he had this cloak that he would have put on his lap as a means of catching the coins that were tossed at him. So when he got up, he would have thrown that cloak off, all the coins bouncing everywhere, and he ran to Jesus. And thirdly, it would have provided some warmth and protection for him at night as he slept. Remember, they didn't have insulated houses with air conditioning and gas heaters. So the cloak on his body would have been the protection and warmth that he had. And so what we see in this one short sentence is Bartimaeus not only throwing away his protection and his livelihood, but also literally his identity in the eyes of the authority. He's renouncing what he has, something that the rich man earlier in this chapter was unable to do. And he does not need his cloak anymore. He goes to Jesus without a need for protection. The blind man does not need his coins anymore because he's going to be healed now by Jesus. And he does not need his material security anymore because he has Jesus now. And so friends, here's the lesson for us. We can all fall into the trap of finding our security and identity in what we have. I am my education, my house, my relationships, my social status, my good looks, my health, the latest gadgets. But friends, those things can go up and down 
throughout our life. And ultimately, if we define our identity based off them, we're always going to be left wanting more and ultimately unfulfilled and without protection when the storms of life come. And so here we can see that we need to look past those things and find our identity in Jesus. And so here's the lie again. The lie is, I am what I have. Well, friends, here's the truth to confront that lie. The truth is that I am secure because of Jesus. And what this means is that we find our security in knowing that Jesus is in the midst of life with us, that he is all the protection that we need, that ultimately our social status, we don't need anything to come to Jesus. Jesus doesn't care about what we have it's, it's not a VIP tier system that the more we have, the better our relationship with Jesus. Actually, we are all given equality before Jesus. And so what we have does not matter and does not define who we are. And we can be secure in who we are because of Jesus. So that's the lie. That's the truth. Now, some practical ways that we can apply this and live this out in our day-to-day life are this. The first one is to give generously because what happens when we give generously is that we give over control of this thing that's in our hand and we go, actually, my identity is not defined on what I have and so therefore I can give more freely. And the second thing is we can practice gratitude, which is where we actually take a look at our lives and go, God, look at what you have given me that I'm so grateful for. Because when we actually take the time to be grateful for what God has given us, suddenly we realize what's important. Not what we have, but simply who we are and the people around us is what matters. And it also stops us from that feeling of needing more in our life because we're able to see and realize all that God has given us. So that's the first uh, lie that we've confronted. The second lie we're going to confront is this lie here. I am what I do. And so this is kind of tied into the previous one a little bit. But going back to Bartimaeus' story, as we looked at, his identity was so tied up in what he did. Society recognized him for being a beggar. And his whole personality, identity and character were summed up in one word. This passage refers to him as the blind man three times. The blind man Bartimaeus three times. But as we look at verse 51, we see that Jesus is not concerned by what he does for a living and simply asks him this question, what do you want me to do for you? And friends, that's the same question that Jesus is asking each of us. You see, friends, here's what Jesus is wanting to show us here, that our identity is not based on what we do, on how much we earn, on the company we work for, the achievements and the accolades that we build up throughout our life. And the truth is we can find our identity in what we do in both a positive and a negative way. The negative might look like this. I'm just a cleaner. Parent. Mum, dad, retail assistant, teacher, those lines, you can fill it in for yourself. I am just a blank. 
You see, whatever that sentence looks like for you, we can define ourselves by what we do nine to five rather than looking at what Jesus wants to do in our life. And on the flip side, if we take a lot of pride in what we do, then what happens when a lockdown happens and we're stuck working from home and realize suddenly I'm not able to do the things that I used to do? I'm not as productive as I used to be. Or when we suddenly get laid off by our employer or we injure ourselves. And this happens to Olympians and athletes all the time. They train all their lives and then suddenly one injury can change everything and they can struggle to find who they are outside of what they do. And so friends, here's the lesson that this verse is wanting to show us, that we need to not find our identity in what we do, but we need to focus on what Jesus is wanting to do and what he has done. So friends, the lie is I am what I do. To confront that lie, here's the truth. I am worthy because of what Jesus has done. I'm worthy because of what Jesus has done. And friends, this is the heart of the Christian faith. This is the heart of the entire scriptures, that it's not about what we do. We can't earn our way into God's favor. God is not concerned with what we do. It's, it's not a frequent flyer point system where we can earn up points towards our life. But it's actually about what Jesus has done for us, that he came down to earth that he taught us a new way to live and that he died for us so that we could live a life that is free, that is full of purpose and hope and love and joy and that we have an eternity to look forward to with God. And so friends, that's the truth, that we are worthy because of what Jesus has done and not based on what we do. So here's some practical ways that we can apply this truth. The first one is have a day off, which that might seem like a bit weird, like what, what a waste of time. What's a day off going to do? But actually, when we have a day off, when we take time to be unproductive, when we go for a long walk, when we allow ourselves to get bored or spend time with our family or uh, you know, just do, doing nothing, basically, going on a holiday, stuff like that, what it does within us is it actually shows us that we are more than what we do. And actually, our identity and our fulfillment is not based on doing things, but actually who we are. And friends, the saying goes that we're not human doings, we're human beings. And so that's one practical way that we can live out that truth for ourselves. The second thing is that we can spend time without an agenda and um, with God. And I wonder if you've ever felt like this when you go to pray, when you go to spend time with God, there's all these things that you're wanting to do. Like, God, I need to do this. Can you help me? Can Praying for this. And it becomes about doing things with God rather than being with God. And so, friends, it's really helpful and healthy sometimes to just go and spend time with God without an adventure, without an agenda, to, to do things with God rather than doing things with God, simply being with Him. That's, that's what we need to do sometimes. And so that's the lie. The truth is, I'm worthy because what Jesus has done. There's some practical ways we can do it. Have a day off and spend time with God without an agenda. 
The third lie is this, I am what others say or think about me. Well, friends, as I said, growing up, my mum talked about sticks and stones and broken bones. And these words did a lot more damage to me than anything physical ever would. And we see this in the life of poor Bartimaeus. In these two verses, we see the people literally trying to silence him, trying to tell him he's not good enough to talk to Jesus, to trying to stop him from coming to Jesus. And see, friends, the problem with living and finding our identity in what others say or think about us is that, number one, it leads to people-pleasing. Number two, we feel like a leaf in the wind and we're always blowing based on the opinions of others. And number three, we never quite see ourselves as good enough because not everybody is going to like us. That's a fact. No matter what we do, no matter how nice of a person we are, not everybody is going to like us. And so I wonder if you've ever felt like that, so concerned with how others see you. Maybe you've had someone talk about you behind your back, or maybe you've gotten some feedback or a comment that's really stuck with you over the years. And it can feel really exhausting and debilitating with all these voices bouncing around in your head rent-free, right? And so I know for myself growing up, I always felt like the odd one out, as I said. And so as I've gotten older, some of my defense mechanisms are still there and the need to blend and fit in like a chameleon comes out at times. And so what can this encounter show us? Well, firstly, how does Bartimaeus respond in this moment? He chooses to ignore the crowd and run to Jesus. And friends, that's a lesson for us too. When those words feel overwhelming, when we feel like we're stuck in people-pleasing, or like a leaf in the wind, we need to go to Jesus and find our identity and our worth in the words that Jesus says about us. And for myself personally, I've been starting the day off for the last two months with a little prayer that goes like this. Jesus, show me what would please you today because there's no way that I'm going to please everyone. And so friends, if that's helpful for you, I encourage you to try that. I found that personally one of the most life-changing things I've done. Just a simple prayer. Jesus, show me what would please you today because there's no way I'm going to please everyone. And so friends, when we confront this lie, we see that our identity is not defined by what others say or think about us, but rather this. The truth, I am who Jesus says I am. And so here's some practical steps that we can do to confront this lie and to live out the truth on a daily basis. The first one is to write the lie and replace it with God's truth. So maybe the lie is... I'm not a good person. Or maybe the lie is, I am broken. And maybe the truth you need to replace it with is, I am God's masterpiece. I am called according to his purpose. And so whatever that lie is for you, maybe you write it down on your phone, in a journal, whatever, and you replace it with God's truth that comes from the Scriptures. 
The second thing you can do is that you can highlight your Bible with what God says. And this is something I did a number of years ago. I went through the entire Bible throughout the year. And as I was reading, I would highlight anything that seemed like a truth about who I am and my identity. And so I encourage you to do that. Or maybe you can do a version plan that's all about how God sees you. So that's the third lie. The fourth lie is this, I am defined by my past. And I just want to say that this is a big one. This is a hard lie to confront. And it can feel like at times that the situations in our past, the pain and the trauma, the events that happened, the choices that we've made, the mistakes or ways we have hurt others or been hurt ourselves, Friends, sometimes it can feel like those things define who we are. And there's a famous author named Brené Brown who talks about the difference between shame and guilt. And she says that guilt is, I have done something bad or I have done something wrong. Whereas shame is, I am bad or I am wrong. And the fact is that, friends, it can be easier to live in the shame column rather than the guilt column. Now, even if we're not responsible for some of those events in our life, we can still feel responsible at times. Thoughts like, if only I had done blank, come to mind. And I know as I've confronted some of these lies and some of my own painful experiences and trauma in my own life, some of those thoughts have popped up for me. If only I had done blank. Or maybe reliving the events in our minds and feeling like the shadow of those events is always going to define who we are. Now, when we look at Bartimaeus, we see that immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So note, this story doesn't say, and then he looked back and gathered his cloak and belongings and walked along the road. Now, I want to say this from a place of love and as someone who's done a long journey dealing with my own pain and trauma. But I want to say that Jesus is wanting to bring healing and transformation to your life. He's wanting to help you live defined by how he sees you and not defined by what has happened to you in the past. And so I want to unpack some lessons from this one line. The first is this, that sometimes what can happen is we can take off our cloaks and we can say, Jesus, do some work here. Jesus, do some work here. Jesus, do some work here. Do some work here. And then what can happen is we can put our cloak back on and we can keep walking. And what I mean by that is we can help, we can ask Jesus to bring healing and transformation in these different areas of our lives. But then we continue to walk defined by those events in the past. The second thing is that the journey also happens on the road. Now, I imagine for Bartimaeus that even though he could now see, he was probably like, whoa, what the heck am I seeing? It probably took some time for him to even get used to the fact that he could see all these objects and colors and faces for the first time. I imagine that he wasn't doing any long-distance sprinting along the road. 
He was probably walking a little bit uncoordinated, trying to gather his bearings, trying to figure out what, what am I seeing? And so the, the same is true for us. From my own experience, the past is kind of like an onion. There's layers and layers that need to be dealt with until we get to the root. And so that's why I said at the start that this is a big and hard lie to confront because it takes time. Because it's a constant journey along the road of walking with Jesus over time that suddenly the past stays in the past and the future is what we're walking towards. And it can take time to get used to the fact that we don't have to live in that place anymore. And so friends, to recap, here's the truth. The lie is that I am defined by my past. The truth to confront that lie is I am defined by my new life in Jesus. And friends, that's true. That's what the scripture tells us, that as we choose to follow Jesus, as we make a decision, suddenly the old life is gone and a new life has come. And friends, just like heart surgery, right, or any, any kind of surgery, it takes the body time to actually accept that organ. It takes time for the body to get used to it. And it's the same for us, that, friends, the old life has gone and the new life has come, but it still takes some time for us to walk in that future. And so here's some practical ways that we can confront this lie. The first is let someone know. Because there's nothing worse, friends, than having to do this journey of dealing with the past on your own. And so let someone know that you trust, a friend, a mentor, maybe someone in your life group. Let someone know what you're dealing with so they can be praying for you, so they can encourage you, so they can check in with you. And so you don't have to feel alone as you're going through that. The second thing you can do is the Freedom in Christ course. And that's a course that we run uh, at our church multiple times a year where we confront lies and we replace it with the truth. And we also allow God to heal us and show us the areas where we're needing his help. And friends, I've done that course, I want to say about six or seven times over the years. And every time I do it, I always find new layers of what God is wanting to do in my life. And so I encourage you, don't think it's a one-stop wonder. It's, it's kind of like servicing your car, right? When, when you do it regularly and consistently over time, suddenly the, the health of the car is going to be a lot better. So that's the second thing. The third thing is to talk to a professional. Now, there's psychologists, there's counsellors, there's Christian counsellors, there's uh, the mental health plan from your GP where you can get 10 free sessions throughout the year. And so I encourage you, talk to a professional who can actually give you the tools and resources that you need in order to deal with this and move to living in the future. And so friends, as we recap, here's what this encounter has shown us today. The four lies, I am what I have, I am what I do, I am what other people say or think about me, and I'm defined by my past. And when we confront those lies, we start to see the truth. Number one, I'm secure because of Jesus. Number two, I'm worthy because what Jesus has done. 
Number three, I am who Jesus says I am. And number four, I'm defined by my new life in Jesus. And now for all of us, I want to give us an opportunity to consider um, which lie we're wrestling with and figure out a practical step that can be taken. But the first step, as we can see, all of these truths revolve around Jesus. And so the first step in confronting those lies and replacing them with the truth is choosing to follow Jesus. And so I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never chosen to follow Jesus before, I invite you to just pray this simple prayer with me that begins the journey of following Jesus. The prayer goes like this, Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for when I've chosen to live my own way. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Amen. So friends, if you prayed that for the first time, why don't you let us know in the chat or click the request prayer button because we would love to pray with you and support you on this journey. This is not a journey that you have to do on your own but actually a journey that we want to do with you and that God wants to do with you as you continue to live out the life that he is inviting you to live. And now for all of us, as we wrap up, I want to consider which lie we've been wrestling with and think of one practical thing that we can do this week to confront the lie. And so for you, which lie do you need to confront and what's one step you could take this week to confront it? Take 30 seconds to do that, and then we're going to wrap up. Now, friends, these, these lies are not once-off things. These are things that we're going to need to keep confronting until it becomes a reality in our own life. But I want you to imagine if we all chose to confront these four lies, where we found our identity in Jesus in what he has done and what he thinks about us. If we chose to live for the future and not be defined by our past. How much more freedom, hope, and purpose could we be experiencing in our lives right now? And friends, that is what Jesus is wanting for all of us. And so I encourage you to act on what you wrote down this week. And let us know so we can be praying for you as well. Let your life group leader know. Let us know in the chat so we can be praying for you. We'd love to pray for you this week over those areas. And now, as we wrap up, if you'd like some prayer, I encourage you to click the request prayer button. One of our team would love to pray with you. And what's going to happen is we're going to put up a reflection question. I invite you to share what Jesus has been doing for you today throughout this service. Well, thanks for being a part of it. I hope this message has been a blessing and an encouragement for you. Have a great week. Be blessed. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.